Hello and welcome to episode 288 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Thursday, September 1st, 2022, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we've crossed over from August into September, and August we focus on the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. In September, we focus on the seven dollars of Our Lady, and we'll be getting into that a little bit later on this month with St. Alphonsus Liguori. Once again, we've been working through the text of the glories of Mary by this great saint and doctor of the church. This is from his sixth discourse entitled, Of the Purification of Mary, subtitled, The Great Sacrifice with which Mary made on this day to God and offering him the life of her son. It's actually just the great sacrifice which Mary made on this day to God and offering him the life of her son. In the old law, there were two precepts concerning the birth of firstborn sons. One was that the mother should remain as unclean, retired in her house for 40 days, after which she was to go to purify herself in the temple. The other was that the parents of the firstborn son should take him to the temple and there offer him to God. On this day, the most blessed virgin obeyed both these precepts. Although Mary was not bound by the law of purification, since she was always a virgin and always pure, yet her humility and obedience made her wish to go like other mothers to purify herself. She at the same time obeyed the second precept to present and offer her son to the eternal father. And after the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they carried him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. But the Blessed Virgin did not offer him as other mothers offered their sons. Others offered them to God, but they knew that this oblation was simply a legal ceremony and that by redeeming them, they made them their own without fear of having again to offer them to death. Mary really offered her son to death and knew for certain that the sacrifice of the life of Jesus, which she then made, was one day to be actually consummated on the altar of the cross. So that Mary, by offering the life of her son, came in consequence of the love she bore this son, really to sacrifice her own entire self to God. Leaving then aside all other considerations into which we might enter on the many mysteries of this festival, we will only consider the greatness of the sacrifice which Mary made of herself to God in offering him on this day, the life of her son. And this will be the whole subject of the following discourse. The Eternal Father had already determined to save man who was lost by sin and to deliver him from eternal death. But because he willed at the same time that his divine justice should not be defrauded of a worthy and due satisfaction, he spared not the life of his son already become man to redeem man, but willed that he should pay with the utmost rigor the penalty which men had deserved. He that spared not even his own son, but delivered him up for us all. He sent him, therefore, on earth to become man. He destined him a mother, and willed that this mother should be the Blessed Virgin Mary. But as he willed not that his divine word should become her son before she, by an express consent, had accepted him, so also he willed not that Jesus should sacrifice his life for the salvation of men without the concurrent assent of Mary, that together with the sacrifice of the life of the son, the mother's heart might also be sacrificed. St. Thomas teaches that the quality of mother gives her a special right over her children. Hence, Jesus being in himself innocent and undeserving of punishment, it seemed fitting that he should not be condemned to the cross as a victim for the sins of the world, 
without the consent of his mother, by which she should spontaneously offer him to death. But although from the moment she became the mother of Jesus, Mary consented to his death, yet God willed that on this day she should make a solemn sacrifice of herself by offering her son to him in the temple, sacrificing his precious life to divine justice. Hence, St. Epiphanus calls her a priest. And now we begin to see how much this sacrifice cost her and what heroic virtue she had to practice when she herself subscribed the sentence by which her beloved son, Jesus, was condemned to death. Behold, Mary is actually on her road to Jerusalem to offer her son. She hastens her steps towards the place of sacrifice, and she herself bears the beloved victim in her arms. She enters the temple, approaches the altar, and there, beaming with modesty, devotion, and humility, presents her son to the Most High. In the meantime, the holy Simeon, who had received a promise from God that he should not die without having first seen the expected Messiah, takes the divine child from the hands of the Blessed Virgin and, enlightened by the Holy Ghost, announces to her how much the sacrifice which she then made of her son would cost her, and that with him her own blessed soul would also be sacrificed. Here, St. Thomas of Villanova contemplates the holy old man becoming troubled and silent at the thought of having to give utterance to a prophecy so fatal to this poor mother. The saint then considers Mary, who asks him, Why, O Simeon, art thou thus troubled in the midst of such great consolations? O royal virgin, he replies, I would desire not to announce thee such bitter tidings, but since God thus wills it for thy greater merit, listen to what I have to say. This child, which is now such a source of joy to thee, and, O God, with how much reason, this child, I say, will one day be a source of such bitter grief to thee that no creature in the world has ever experienced the like. And this will be when thou seest him persecuted by men of every class and made a butt upon earth for their scoffs and outrages. They will even go so far as to put him to death as malefactor before thine own eyes. Thou so greatly rejoicest in this infant, but behold, he is placed for a sign which shall be contradicted. Know that after his death there will be many martyrs, who for the love of this son of thine will be tormented and put to death. Their martyrdom, however, will be endured in their bodies, but thine, O Divine Mother, will be endured in thy heart. Oh, how many thousands of men will be torn to pieces and put to death for the love of this child. And although they will all suffer much in their bodies, thou, O Virgin, wilt suffer much more in thy heart. Yes, in her heart, for her compassion alone for the sufferings of this most beloved son was the sword of sorrow which was to pierce the heart of the mother, as St. Simeon exactly foretold, and thy own soul a sword shall pierce. Already the most blessed virgin, as St. Jerome says, was enlightened by the sacred scriptures and knew the sufferings that the Redeemer was to endure in his life, and still more at the time of his death. She fully understood from the prophets that he was to be betrayed by one of his disciples. For even the man of my peace, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, hath greatly supplanted me. As David foretold, that he was to be abandoned by them. Strike the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. She well knew the contempt, the spitting, the blows, the derisions he was to suffer from the people. I have given my body to the strikers and my cheeks to them that pluck them. I have not turned away my face from them that rebuke me and spit upon me. She knew that he was to become the reproach of men and the outcast of the most degraded of the people so as to be saturated with insults and injuries. But I am a worm and no man the reproach of men and the outcast of the people. He shall be filled with reproaches. She knew that at the end of his life, his most sacred flesh 
will be torn and mangled by scourges. But he was wounded for our iniquities. He was bruised for our sins. And this to such a degree that his whole body was to be disfigured and become like that of a leper, all wounds and the bones appearing. There is no beauty in him nor comeliness. And we have thought him as it were a leper. They have numbered all my bones. She knew that he was to be pierced by nails. They have dug my hands and feet to be ranked with malefactors and was reputed with the wicked. And that finally hanging on a cross, he was to die for the salvation of men. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Mary, I say, already knew all these torments, which her son was to endure. But in the words addressed to her by Simeon, and thy own soul a sword shall pierce. All the minute circumstances of the sufferings, internal and external, which were to torment her Jesus and his passion, were made known to her as our Lord revealed to St. Teresa. She consented to all with a constancy, which filled even the angels with astonishment. She pronounced the sentence that her son should die, and die by so ignominious and painful a death, saying, Eternal Father, since thou willest that it should be so, not my will but thine be done. I unite my will to thy most holy will, and I sacrifice this my son to thee. I am satisfied that he should lose his life for thy glory and the salvation of the world. At the same time, I sacrifice my heart to thee, that it may be transpierced with sorrow. And this as much as thou pleasest. It suffices me, my God, that thou art glorified and satisfied with my offering. Not my will, but thine be done. O charity without measure, O constancy without peril, O victory, which deserves the eternal admiration of heaven and earth. Hence it was that Mary was silent during the passion of Jesus. When he was unjustly accused, she said nothing to Pilate, who was somewhat inclined to set him at liberty, knowing, as he did, his innocence. She only appeared in public to assist at the great sacrifice, which was to be accomplished on Calvary. She accompanied her beloved son to the place of execution. She was with him from the first moment when he was nailed on the cross. There stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, until she saw him expire and the sacrifice was consummated. And all this she did to complete the offering which she had made of him to God in the temple. That ends our reading for today. We will continue with part two tomorrow. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. With the exception of Jesus, with the exception of Our Lady, with the exception of St. Joseph, we all have our thought. We all have our faults, I should say. We all have our sins that we are committed. But the Blessed Mother is the Mother of Mercy. Jesus is the King of Mercy. He's always calling us to Himself. And the Blessed Mother is always pointing us toward our dear Lord Jesus. I make no claims to personal holiness whatsoever. I'm a weak, sinful man, aided by the grace of Almighty God. I'm trying my best, but I fall. I get back up again. We continue to pray the rosary every single day, right? We go to confession. We receive our Lord in the most blessed sacrament, aided by God's grace. We do our best. On our own, we can do absolutely nothing. Everything is God's grace. And what a beautiful, wonderful grace to have such a beautiful, wonderful mother as the Blessed Virgin Mary. She is the mother of us all. Remember at the crucifix, 
at our Lord's crucifixion, when he tells St. John, behold your mother and woman, behold your son. There he's giving his mother, the Immaculata, the perfect one, the Lord's masterpiece to all of us. The most beautiful, the most sweet, the wisest creature the Lord ever created. She is pure innocence and she loves us more than we can possibly imagine. So let's make a really big deal about her. Let's love her all we can. Let's do our best aided by God to live lives, live lives of virtue and avoid vice. Let us take full advantage of the sacrament of reconciliation. We are so blessed to be Catholic. And if you're not Catholic or you've been away from the faith, come on back. Come on in. The water's fine. It's Jesus' will that every man, woman, and child be Catholic. And if you've been away from the faith for five months, five years, for 15, for 35 years, come on back. Come on back. We love you. Jesus loves you. The Blessed Mother loves you. St. Joseph loves you. We want you in the Catholic Church. Prayer for the hastening of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. O Immaculate Heart of Mary, Holy Mother of God and our tender mother, look upon the distress in which the whole of mankind is living due to the spread of materialism, godlessness, and the persecution of the Catholic faith. In our own day, the mystical body of Christ is bleeding from so many wounds caused within the church by the unpunished spread of heresies, the justification of sins against the sixth commandment, the seeking of the kingdom of earth rather than that of heaven, the horrendous sacrileges against the most holy Eucharist, especially through the practice of communion in the hand, and the Protestant shaping of the celebration of the Holy Mass. Amidst these trials appeared the light of the consecration of Russia to thine immaculate heart by the Pope in union with the world's bishops. In Fatima, thou didst request the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays of the month. Implore thy divine son to grant a special grace to the Pope that he might approve the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. May Almighty God hasten the time when Russia will convert to Catholic unity, mankind will be given a time of peace, and the church will be granted an authentic renewal in the purity of the Catholic faith, the sacredness of divine worship, and the holiness of Christian life. O Mediatrix of all graces, O Queen of the Most Holy Rosary and our sweet Mother, turn thine eyes of mercy towards us and graciously hear this, our trusting prayer. Amen. That by Bishop Schneider, of course. Daily Act of Consecration to St. Joseph. My Father and my Guardian, I give myself entirely to you and to show my devotion to you I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, O good Father, since I am your own, keep me and guard me as your property and possession. Amen. By thy pure and immaculate conception, O Mary, obtain for me the conversion of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. May all the words that I speak be so many arrows dipped in the blood of thy sacred heart, O Jesus, to pierce the hearts of all who hear them with love for thee. Amen. And let us offer up the three Hail Marys in honor of Our Lady's Immaculate Purity and for the people of Chile and for good governance there and for the defeat of the anti-God, anti-family constitution, which is about to come up for a vote. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. 
Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Virgo potens, ora pro nobis. Sancti Iosef, terra ora pro nobis. Sancta Raphael, Archangeli, ora pro nobis. In nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 288 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. And most especially, pray for the eternal salvation of the world's bishops. Goodbye and God love you.